This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 47, about Agent Carter, episode 4, Smoke and Mirrors. Welcome back, Defenders, to episode 47 of Defenders TV Podcast. This time we're talking about Agent Carter, episode 4, Smoke and Mirrors. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hi, I am one of your other hosts, John, and we are joined here by a very special guest, um, Claire, all the way from Defenders Podcast. Claire, how are you doing? And what is your thoughts about Agent Carter in general? Just quickly. <laughs> I'm doing <laughs> no well. pressure. I thought, you, I thought you were going to say all the way from London. But it was the all the way from London, exactly. <laughs> um, Across yeah, the pond of the well. Irish Sea is Claire joining yeah, us from London. <laughs> in London, in rainy London. I'm doing well. Thanks, guys. I'm really glad to be here because... Um, we've recorded with you guys before for uh, Defenders podcast. It gets very confusing because it's Defenders podcast and Defenders TV podcast. But we're always mm-hmm. saying how on my podcast how much we love you guys. So it's always nice to chat with you. <laughs> and I yeah. love Agent Carter so much. I want to be Peggy cool. Carter when I grow up. I love her. <laughs> um, it's, oh, I love it so much. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> that's it's all I can really show. say about great it. Great show. So good, so good, and I I prefer it to Agents of Shield, which is is you know controversial in some circles, but it's so much better. Some circles, it might be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely that nostalgic feel, but also just like kick-ass Peggy. You've got Dotty mm-hmm. as well, and now you've got Whitney. Like three like great female leads uh, yeah. for me. All, all rolled into this like fantastic season. And like, it's so good that there's 10 episodes, uh, instead of the eight from season one. So mm-hmm. they've expanded it. It's brilliant. It's like such a good, uh, show for me. Uh, and we're really pleased to have you with us, Claire. Cheers. Yeah, absolutely. We, we actually said on our podcast the other day that I, I was saying that I think 10 is kind of the perfect length for a, a, a series because you get a lot of series that are like 22 episodes and they're just too long the netflix shows are 13 but they they get they still feel like they have a little bit of filler in them but i think 10 is like just the perfect length <laughs> like between 8 and 10 just seems to be fast paced no filler um yeah perfect yeah yeah i definitely agree with that i do i don't mind the 13 episodes of the netflix but i know sometimes you can feel that oh that episode maybe just was a bit too fillery kind of Mm -hmm. thing but like on our gotham podcast we we do 22 episodes and, Mm -hmm. and i think certainly for season one it was more i just felt the length of time to podcast Mm -hmm. it's 22 Mm -hmm. weeks and it's it becomes a long time after a while. Um, whereas 13 are nice and sort of close and concentrated. And certainly on Netflix, when they all come out together, it means you can like, you can do them however you want to really. It gives you that kind of flexibility, but yeah, uh, 22 is a long, uh, set series to, to cover. Um, and th- this is nice. This, I mean, we originally did season one because we were between, uh, the end of Daredevil uh, and the start of Gotham. Mm-hmm. And it finally got released onto UK uh, and Irish TV. Uh, and we said, do you know, let's do this in our kind of off time and mm. just loved it. Absolutely loved the, the series. Absolutely. Um, and Claire, do you want to tell the listeners a bit about your podcast and what you cover and the, uh, the, yeah. the, the way you approach uh, the, the Defenders series, I suppose? 
Yeah, we, I mean, we're called the Defenders podcast because we're covering the Netflix shows leading up to the Defenders series. So, so far, that's been Daredevil season one and Jessica Jones, um, which you guys obviously cover as well. Um, mm-hmm. And but we do it in a slightly different way because we do an episode a week, whereas you guys tend to do it in a more condensed manner because of the way some people watch the show is they'll watch it, you know, it's designed for binge watching. Um, the reason we mm-hmm. do it an episode a week is because um, out of the hosts on the podcast, uh, I am the only one that <laughs> will binge watch it. So for instance, uh-huh. when Daredevil season one came out, I started watching it, I think it's 8pm at night and finished at 9am oh, the next morning. Um, I watched it in one go. And then we started recording about it the next day. And my co-hosts, Matt, Mel and Robin, are newbies. So they won't have seen um, a lot of the stories about the show before. Um, They won't have read really any spoilers. They won't have seen the trailers. And they'll -hmm. they'll be watching an episode a week, which means... um, they don't know what's going to happen next. And also it means that I can really wind them up about it, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> which I really It leads it. to some really fun situations where, uh, where I hear Robin particularly he posits some thoughts that, that could be very connected to, to his version of comic books or his version of TV shows that he's seen before. And yeah. you can kind of hear the, uh, the sly grin in Claire's voice as she goes, <laughs> you're so wrong. <laughs> my hands rubbing together going, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, and we've got a good mix of, of, um, of co-hosts as well, because I'm a, a big comic book fan particularly of the characters of jessica jones and particularly daredevil which i do have a Mm. tattoo of um but robin as well really loves comic books matt is knowledgeable about some comic books but not these particular characters and mel as we tease her a lot knows nothing about comic books so it's a nice a nice mix so mel is literally watching the shows as a television series um i'm watching daredevil with the baggage if you like of being a fan since i was 10 years old of the character um so we get right. like, a lot of different opinions um it's very it's a, a little bit more um anar- uh, anarchic is that word F- filled with anarchy more than <laughs> yes, your podcast <laughs> uh um but i blame that on the fact that the other three are north americans um so yeah i'm the only brits yeah and uh claire where can um any of our listeners uh tap in to to listen to you guys um <laughs> podcast <laughs> well thank you for asking it's good that you reminded <laughs> me where people could earlier so <laughs> if uh we're on um wordpress.com as defenders podcast or twitter at defenders pod which is pretty much just me um mm-hmm. <laughs> tweeting stuff um yeah or if you look on itunes if you search for all caps defenders podcast will come up on there as well and That's we've, right. we've and released just bonus avoid the religious yes <laughs> there will be one that comes up which is uh william lane craig is it and it's a religious one i think That's right. podcast. Dr. That's not our one <laughs> yes. 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 Definitely. Uh, in fact, a tr- true story for our listeners, which we've never actually talked about. The reason why we called our podcast Defenders TV podcast was just so we wouldn't get confused with, uh, <laughs> yeah. with Dr. Blake. And the reason we actually <laughs> got in contact with you guys in the first place was because we were told we were with a previous network and we were told we had to call ours Defenders podcast. And I think I that was the first time I messaged you guys was to say, That's right. I just want to say we're not going to step on your toes and, you know, we're not copying <laughs> you and I hope we can be friends. And I think that's kind of how we got in contact. (laughs) 
Yeah. And, and look at us. A year on, we've met Robin at New York Comic Con. Yeah. Uh, we live uh, 40 minutes away from you, basically, by flight, Claire. And yeah. we've never met you, but we've been on two podcasts with you now. So yeah, this good. is our second podcast. Yeah. We have to be up at some point. <laughs> and of course, for for our listeners, you can find us, as always, on DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes. Or search Defenders TV Podcast on any other good podcast catcher. Mm-hmm. Such as Podcast Addict, Player FM, or Stitcher, if you so wish. Yes, yes. I've added, <laughs> I added a few more this week. I added Acast this week, which I've, I'm really enjoying as a podcast catcher. Uh, yeah, really good. A uh, couple of couple of the, uh, places to find us. Right, I think it's time to get into our news and a bit of announcements uh, as we go through. You guys have so much more technical knowledge than I have. I'm like, <laughs> podcasts, they just appear magically when Robin uploads them. <laughs> Some kind of <laughs> Harry Potter witchcraft. I don't know. <laughs> it, it feels like it sometimes, but um, I just kind of so I search through Android for um, the word podcast, and then I add a, I add our podcast to it. That's basically oh, how yes. I work. That's a good plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, so first off, a quick announcement: we will be going to the Star Fury uh, Ultimates event, which will be taking place in. Um, Blackpool in the UK and June 10th to 12th uh, this year. Uh, the reason why we're going along, it would be very important for a lot of our UK listeners. Um, the event features three guests who are from the Agent Carter TV series, including the wonderful Hayley Atwell, who obviously plays Peggy Carter, but also Enver Jockey, who plays uh, Chief Daniel Souza, almost called him uh, Captain Daniel Souza or Lieutenant Daniel Souza there. Um, and it also features the wonderful Bridget Reagan, uh, who plays Dottie, Dottie Underwood. Dottie Underwood. Uh, really, really excited to go across to this event. Yeah, we're going to be armed with our questions, our Blackpool Rock, our fish and chips, our Blackpool Illuminations. Your unmarked van and your nets. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll, we'll ride in on beach donkeys uh, to get a little sort of yeehaw uh, as we come into the hotel conference area but like uh, there's also Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, there's Brett Dalton he plays Agent Ward from S.H.I.E.L.D. and there's also then characters from Gotham which is one of our other podcasts obviously Gotham TV podcast there is going to be Cameron Beacon Dover Robin Lord Taylor, mm-hmm. um, as well as Drew Powell. Yes, former guest of the show. Former guest of the show yes. on Gotham TV podcast. Um, as well then Arrow, some characters from Arrow, which I can't remember their names. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> can't remember. I generally their names. don't remember the guys on Arrow. I watch it. I think I've seen every episode, but I don't remember most of the episodes I've seen. There is the chief exactly. of the Starling City Police. Yes. Who is actually a, a British guy. Yeah. Who does yeah. a very interesting American accent that makes him seem like he's got a lisp. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It is It is fantastic. I love the way he talks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it might have been the Sean Connery School of Acting that he went to. So we will ask him pertinent questions about his uh, method. Yes. Yes. Um, yes, that's the first announcement. Uh, Claire, are you, you're heading up to uh, Blackpool at all? I, I'm, do you know what? It's in, it's in the summer. I'm, I will try and make it. I'm very poor at the moment, um, because right. I'm only working two days a week and then I'm drawing the rest of the time. And mm-hmm. artists are notoriously poor. You know, I'm living the, the, the artistic poverty dream. Um, but if I can afford it, then I will try and make it. Um, obviously not to meet any of the celebrities, just to meet you guys. Aww. The real guests of honor. 
<laughs> Excellent. Well, if any of the listeners do want to see us at the, uh, at the, at the event, just make sure you get in contact with us. We're at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. Uh, you'll probably see us walking around. I think we have our Defenders TV podcast t-shirts, don't we? Uh, and our Gotham TV podcast. Yes. They're in, they're t-shirts. in storage. So you'll probably see us yeah. around there. They're, they're rolled out every time we go to a Comic Con, just in case <laughs> uh-huh. someone uh, spots us. I think it is only Robin actually from Defenders podcast that it, well, no, there's a few more, but <laughs> certainly from the Marvel world, it, it, it's Robin from Defenders Podcast right. that that recognised us or recognised you, I think. Mm-hmm. Or you recognised him. I can't remember how it happened. But it <laughs> happened over a, a steamy, sweaty, geeky uh, <laughs> conference centre in New York. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I don't know whether we'll be able to fit into the T-shirts if we go to more geeky conference centres. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yes, so if you want to uh, if you want to attend the event, the Ultimates event, uh, just look for starfury.co.uk. You'll be able to pick up tickets for the Ultimates Uh Looking forward to uh, to heading along to that. Uh, one of the bit of news that we want to talk about, which we haven't talked about in the podcast before, it's great that Claire is going to be here for this discussion because um, it's kind of a weird discussion. There's a there's we're four episodes in in the UK and Ireland uh, for Agent Carter, uh, and there's been a lot of discussions about what's happening with um, with some of the cast uh, members and some of the crew uh, on the show. Uh, the biggest piece of news that's come out recently is that. Uh, Haley Atwell has been cast in a pilot also for ABC called Conviction. And she's got the lead role in the pilot. Uh, and this has led to a, a ton of speculation that that means that this is the end and the final uh, episodes of Agent Carter. Um, Claire, what's your thoughts on this? I kind of hope that it, it doesn't mean the end of Agent Carter. Maybe it just means that they'll do a shorter third season. So they'll go back down to... Mm-hmm. Um, eight episodes or uh, or they do like six episodes or something and um, it's on the same network so could be filmed around the schedule for for conviction uh, if conviction gets picked up because obviously she's doing the pilot for conviction but it might not get picked up we don't know um i really hope that she does both because i think i i love the show i think it's a great character to have um on tv um, to have this, you know, this was the the female-led show that since then we've had Jessica Jones and Supergirl, but this one was kind mm-hmm. of the first. Um, I think it's an important show to have um, from the point of view of it, it's a character, it's a female character that doesn't necessarily have superpowers, uh, but still kicks kicks butt, which is great. Um, uh, so, yeah, and I, I think I said to you guys earlier, I would love Agent Carter to go for the next 50 years and us to have... <laughs> Hayley Atwell playing Agent Carter, you know, and in the days of Ant-Man, you know, when the character appeared in Ant-Man or or the Winter Soldier, you know, right up until Peggy Carter's deathbed. I want her to be the most <laughs> prolific Marvel character because I love her. So I'm really hoping it doesn't get cancelled. And as I said, I prefer the show by a, a large amount to, to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I I will be very upset if it gets cancelled. <laughs> so, absolutely, yeah. yeah I, I'm the same. I kind of don't want to believe that this might happen. Mm-hmm. I think, as Derek said, it's like th- there's a lot of speculation. I think it's down to maybe um, the numbers in the mm. US um, and, and the ratings of, of the second season. Then there's obviously this casting news for Haley Atwell. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I think you're right. It's it's the same network. It's only a pilot. It may never mm-hmm. see the light of day. Although I hope, obviously, for Haley Atwell, that it has mm-hmm. huge um, 
take up and, and success. Uh, but you're right, it's on the same network. They can schedule it in yeah. if need be. Um, so I think there's still a long way to go before it would be confirmed. I like your suggestion that maybe it would come down back to, to eight episodes to help with scheduling. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely. Um, it's more, I don't want it to, um, to end. I don't, I think it's really solidly written. Uh, and one of the things for me is that it's hugely rewatchable. I mean, even this episode that we're going to discuss, uh, t- today, I, watched it again because initially I watched it and I, I kind of didn't really feel too much for it mm. on the back of episode three, which was so great. I mean, I loved episode three. I watched this again thinking, well, you know, that influenced me. And the more I watch it, the more I saw stuff to to think about. And actually now after two watches of this episode, well, in fact, three uh, watches of this episode, I'm really, I really liked it. Yeah. It, mm. it pulled it up from something. And I found that was season one as well. I think, um, you know, I had repeat watching of it and it just improved. So I, I think that's the really well acted, well written, and there's some great fun chemistry uh, on the show, which it would be, um, it would be difficult to miss that actually. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I think it's, I think it's doing reasonably well in the ratings. Not, not great, but ABC is a slightly different network being involved with Disney as well. And yeah. this is a, another, another side of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I suppose. And they are trying to expand it and trying to keep that on board. They have also announced the, uh, the, uh, direct spinoff show from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is, uh, which is Marvel's most wanted, uh, featuring true. Bobby Morse and, uh, Hunter. Um, Two of my favorite characters from, from Agents of Shield. Uh, but it's very possible that, that, that it could, we could have maybe a year off for Agent Carter and then it comes back the following year in that gap, uh, during the 22 episode season of Shield. That is a possibility. It's not, uh, that's definitely not out of the realm. They could also move it to, move it to a, a summer show to make it stand out a bit more. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's loads of options available. And I, I definitely, uh, as an opinion on my side, I definitely don't think this is the end for Agent Carter, especially, uh, since it does seem to have a, a legion of fans. You go to any comic, comic con, and you are now seeing a huge amount of, of Hayley Atwell cosplay. Um, there's so many people that are so into yeah, this. Yeah, definitely. And I, th- I think even if like the show ended, it's it wouldn't be the last we'd see of the character, whether they did a... Um, they brought the series back in another way, like a mini-series, almost like the episodes they do of Sherlock. You know, mm-hmm. just do like a three-episode thing. Like, there's no way Marvel would would stop the character because she's so popular and you've got that entire breadth of you know almost of the the 20th century to play with the character um it would be uh, i think it would would be a bad idea to to not use that to its full potential almost like they've done uh, fox have done with like the most recent x-men movies featuring like the 60s 70s 80s and tied it in with events going on at the time you could do that with with peggy carter and with the development yeah. of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, you've got the character of Howard Stark, you know, you've got these characters, you can do that. Um, I've, one of the complaints I've seen about Agent Carter is going, well, we know where it's going to end because we know what happens with... <laughs> and it's like, well, no, because you know about the big picture. Uh-huh. But that doesn't mean that it's not interesting to find out about this character. Like, we learn a lot about the character in this in this week's episode that we didn't know. And, um, Absolutely. You know, that stuff's great. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to mention quickly, um, sorry, guys, was uh, I've said before on, on my podcast as well, the reason I love the, the shows that Netflix are doing is the characters are a lot more grounded than some areas in the 
Marvel Cinematic Universe. We mm. particularly we've had Daredevil and Jessica Jones, and they've always been the characters that I've um, uh, been more drawn towards, um, rather than characters. Say, I love Guardians of the Galaxy, but more the, the sort of you know space characters in the Avengers. I always loved Captain America more than Thor, for instance. Um, yeah, so Captain yeah. America was uh, the first Avenger was my my favorite solo film out of um, Phase One of. Um, mm-hmm of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think that's why I love Agent Carter as well, because even though it, it dabbles in sci-fi a bit, and it's it's kind of going a bit more sci-fi in season two than season one, mm-hmm. um, it still feels very grounded. It's it's um, grounded in real events in American history and in uh, British history. And that's why I, I love it. And the character feels very real. She doesn't have superpowers, you know, and that that's the character I've been drawn to. Yeah. yeah, that that current events thing, as you say, of that period, it also just adds the the depth to to the characters. But you you know, from season one, you had Peggy uh, striving to be recognised as as a as a woman mm-hmm. um, in her job uh, against you know the the prejudice or bias of, of men. Mm-hmm. You have now with Doctor Wilkes, you've got that um, idea of. of people of different races mm-hmm. sort of being uh, pro- professional experts scientists uh, but still being treated uh, as um second class citizens uh, and that kind of what that builds into and the context of that uh, as well as still um the 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 role of women in society and sort of moving towards this mccarthyism mm-hmm. within agent mm-hmm. carter at the moment so there's loads of different threads that kind of all come through which um i think really adds to not only the show but i think just to the the marvel uh, mm. universe as, as it's written absolutely yeah. and i love the opportunity that's given to them to have these eight or ten episodes to, to kind of talk much more detail about the universe uh, which you don't get with a film a lot of films have to you know they have a big overarching story with a villain uh, where you don't get to spend time with the characters uh, yeah. in their downtime you know so i love the fact that we do have that and what a great way to set us up for our discussion about this week's episode absolutely uh, but first off as well we should obviously point out that chris isn't here uh, do you know what makes it so much worse <laughs> well, the end of last week's episode was uh, the first episode he'd introduced in about four episodes <laughs> and we ended it saying we get a break from you <laughs> from you leading up episode. Uh, um, but we should just mention that uh, Christopher, one of our other uh, hosts, isn't with us. He He's away um, in uh, Barcelona, sunny Barcelona. We're stuck in rainy old Dublin here, uh, a bit like London. Uh, but he is presumably um, sunning himself, uh, building his tan. Sorry, I mean working yes. hard at um, <laughs> the Global Mobile Conference or... Uh, that he's at so um, he will be uh, with us hopefully uh, next uh, next episode yes yes absolutely so i think with that i think it's time to get on to our discussion about agent carter season two episode four smoke and mirrors uh, this episode was directed by david platt he directed episode three of agent carter as well uh, it's written by sue m chung uh, newly on board in the writer's room for this season of agent carter uh, she joined in season two as the lead story editor for the show uh, it's kind of evident really that she's a, a lead story editor given that she's talking about a lot of flashbacks and a lot of mm. kind of backstory for these characters it seems like that's a probably a good perspective to have absolutely. if you're really looking at the show overall and what the other writers are, are delivering really isn't it yeah absolutely yeah uh, john do you want to tell us what sue gave us this week yeah here goes the synopsis 
In a series of flashbacks to the early lives of Peggy Carter and Agnes Cully, a.k.a. Whitney Frost, we see two exceptional and talented women reflected back at one another. Both driven, both out of their time, and both know their value. On the one hand, Agnes Cully from Oklahoma, brilliant with an inventive mind and who feels held back from academic success due to her gender. That is, until the Hollywood door is opened with the use of her good looks and charm. And on the other hand, Peggy Carter from Hampstead in England, who forges a career in the field with the special operations executive, in spite of her stifling fiancé Fred, and to honour the tragic death of her much-loved brother, Michael. Meanwhile, back in 1947, Whitney Frost begins to experiment with her newfound power as Carter and Jarvis attempt to learn more about Frost and Chadwick by kidnapping their bodyguard, Mr. Hunt. Following the interrogation of Hunt, he is booked and allowed to escape, where they track him back to Senator Chadwick's apartment. As he attempts to blackmail Chadwick in exchange for protection, Frost reveals her dangerous secret and proves once and for all that she is more than just a pretty face. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. <laughs> <laughs> if this is your first time listening to us, if you're joining us from the Defenders podcast or Claire, if this is your uh, your first time joining us, uh, obviously we'll uh, we'll give you a bit of a rundown of how we do our episodes. We discuss our top five points about the episode, some good, some bad, and between the three of us, we'll hopefully cover everything about the episode that we want to talk about. <laughs> um, we'll then give a bit of a rating at the end and see whether we defend the episode or not. So Claire, as our guest, would you like to give us your first point? A big bonus for this episode was the supporting cast for me. Um, I love Chris Mulkey and I love Kurtwood Smith. And I love that both of them are in the episode. Um, Chris Mulkey, Mm -hmm. I've been a a fan of since his days in Twin Peaks, my number one TV show of all time. Um, And he's been in like tons of stuff. And apparently he's a complete sweetheart. My co-host Matt and Mel have both met him. Um, So, yeah, they met him at the Twin Peaks Festival and they said he was really cool. Um, They got a great photo with, I think, he's pretending to strangle one of them or something. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it's it's great seeing him. He doesn't have that much to do in this episode, um, Mm -hmm. but it's I just like it whenever he pops up and stuff. And Kurtwood Smith. Everyone sort of I know says, oh, it's Red from that 70s show, which I've never seen. But to me, he's always going to be Clarence Bodica from Robocop, one of my favorite oh, films. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you're so on my side. That's how I introduced him when uh, when we saw him in, in the last episode, I think. Yeah. Uh, that's how I introduced him to everybody. I was like, he's the guy from Robocop. And Chris was going, oh, yeah, yeah, Robocop. Yeah. I said that 70s show. And Chris was going, yeah, that 70s show. Of course, <laughs> it's Red. And now he's in that 40s show. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I just, I, I love every time he's on screen. He's so slimy it's like oh, we had with um in season one um you know when with ray wise as well also from twin peaks they both mm-hmm. play slimy guys really well and i just love it i like him going up against Souza as well so Absolutely. i just wanted to mention that as one of my thumbs up as Definitely. the supporting cast in this episode Definitely, john do you want to give us your first point yeah mine is the the flashbacks actually just on a general point the <laughs> The, the mirrors, I presume, from the smoke and mirrors in the title. Uh, maybe the smoke is the, the dark matter, uh, there's, or the zero matter, I should say. But, um, this, um, the reflection, I thought, of these two heroines, ultimately, that, um, are of Whitney Frost, Agnes Cully, mm-hmm. uh, and Peggy Carter. I just, I really liked, um, I think it was part of the reason why I did have to watch this episode again to really kind of just get the flavor of these flashbacks because it, it was basically saying these 
two women were cut from the same cloth. They, they were, they were driven, um, ultimately by different means. One, I think, with Agnes in spite of maybe her mother and, and the, the men that she, she kept. Uh, and for Peggy, she was driven because, um, of tragedy in her life with the death of her, her brother, yeah. but also because of a stifling fiance, um, you know, as I said in, in the synopsis, who really was saying kind of, well, you know, the the world of spies and sabotage is not the world for 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 my Peggy um and but you know she she goes on to work in the field and I, I loved these flashbacks and how they reflected on both the these ladies um and how ultimately it kind of is there then in the present day within the series in 1947 with them both being incredibly confident um yeah. but. Obviously, on other sides, fighting one another. You know, you can see that Whitney Frost knows Peggy is a threat as soon as Mr. Hunt says that he's been interrogated by her. You know, what, what, what did you tell her? She knows that Peggy is a threat. Yeah. And I think that's because reflected back in that mirror is a, a, a another Whitney Frost for her, but with different motives and, uh, with different reasons, you know? So I, I loved that about this episode. I, I thought it it really, really was um, a, a good uh, little. I thought this was a really good sort of little motif to bring in because you don't see uh, too many flashbacks uh, mm. in, in Peggy Carter and Agent Carter. Mm-hmm. It also follows the trend of like the 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 mirror of Peggy being a blonde because in season one we had Dottie, and yeah. in season two we have Whitney. So to her brunette, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, it kind of it kind of struck me as something similar to to what was used in Daredevil, the uh, the flashbacks to Kingpin mm-hmm. as a as a kid, and seeing the kind of parallels between those two characters uh, that we saw throughout uh, throughout Daredevil. What I love is the backstory of of Whitney Froster, and obviously this was also one of my points. It's one of the big uh, elements of the episode, really. But I kind of was just looking and focusing at Whitney Frost's flashbacks and what she goes through. Um, I kind of like the fact that the first time you see her, she's fixing a radio. It's showing how intelligent she is. She's able to take care of uh, of the electronics in, in her mom's house. Mm. Uh, but she's told to just stop doing it um, all the time. She's put down constantly. She's told to use her looks to get ahead instead of trying to use her brain because yeah. nobody cares. You're never going to go to college, uh, even though you're a smart kid kind of thing, you know? Mm. Um, um, she's clearly hugely talented at this kind of these kind of uh, scientific endeavors, but is being told to go into a film career. Uh, you know, this is what you can do. This is how you'll you'll get ahead. But nobody really cares what's in your head. They only care what your body looks like. You know. Yeah. Really tough, and it seems totally at odds to what uh, what Peggy's gone through, particularly with her brother, who's again, as you said, hugely supportive. And he's uh, the one that obviously recommended that Peggy go into the SOE, this the special operations mm-hmm. executive. So like she's supported, whereas Whitney in a sense isn't. She's been told to default to what um would be expected. Yeah. But she ultimately uses that to her own advantage because you can't keep a clever girl down. Um, yeah. You know? And it, it it's she uses that and I, I love that sort of realization from her with with the agent outside of the, the cinema uh, towards the end of the of the episode where she you know she kind of just realizes this is my way in, this is how you I be get whatever the you want to be. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
following on from your point as well, saying about with uh, the first time we see Whitney, she's fixing a radio. The first time we see Peggy, she's dressed as a superhero. That's right. That's right. She's very, very cool. Taking yeah. down dragons, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It, I love I love the juxtaposition of these two characters really well. I really well plotted out idea uh, just to show both of them had opportunities in life and some of them were uh, were taken away from them and some of them were pushed into the right situation. So um, so I'm going to take that as my first point. So while it did cross over with yours, John, it's, uh, it's a very similar. Um, Claire, <laughs> do you want to give us your next one? Yeah, my next one is kind of a down point, but it's got good in it as well. <laughs> So um, it's that I would like Sousa to win in an interrogation. And then I wrote, damn it, (laughs) because (laughs) I, I, I love with a bit of backstory. I love um, the actor Enver Chikai. I think Mm -hmm. he's fantastic. He was one of the best things about Dollhouse. Um, uh, He really proved what a great actor he is in that. And after Dollhouse was cancelled and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. started and Joss Whedon was doing the Avengers, I was like, please, you know, please don't let let this amazing actor just be this cop in one scene in the Avengers. Like, he's so good. Please use him to his right, potential because that, yeah. he's great. And I'm really so I was really excited that he was in this. I know it was important for Peggy's character in this episode, but there was the bit where he was... Um, doing the interrogation and then he's like oh how did you get that leg like and he says the story and the guy's like yeah well I was in Japan and you Mm -hmm. know whatever and kind of and and then it's Peggy has to step up and do the interrogation and get results and in season one we had it you know where he was trying to get information out of the homeless guy and didn't get anywhere because the guy again it became like about his leg and it was Thompson that got the interrogation. And I just I'm just kind of like I would like to see him win in an interrogation and to show that he's this very, very smart guy. And yes. um, he's not the not the um, he's the chief for a reason, you know, um, and I would I would just like that not only from the point of view for the character, but I would like to see the actor play that um, on the flip side. I would also in a bigger scheme, I would love to see them give him some more comedic stuff to do um, right. because he's a great comedic actor. He's a very, very good mimic, um, which he proved in Dollhouse. It, you know, he's hilarious. And I would like to see that. I don't know how they would write it in, but um, that would be cool as well. So that was just one of my more down points is that I kind of wish that they'd had him come up with that idea instead in the episode. I know it's Peggy's show, but I, I want him to win an interrogation to get an interrogation. Although speaking of comedic elements, I must say I thought the way he took the punch from Mr. Hunt (laughs) and the way he fell, I thought there were, I don't know, there was something that I kind of laughed, I chuckled at in the way that he fell. It was slightly comedic. It didn't lose any of the power of the punch. And then obviously Mm. for... um, uh, Haley Atwell to pop up from behind the the, the shelving yeah. <laughs> and, and to say, "Well, he's tried to th- throttle me twice." You know, mm-hmm. this was the least you could do. I thought thought there was some nice sort of comedy value, uh, definitely in there, and I liked the way that um, Sousa took that punch. It, it, yeah, it, it felt it felt like a punch, but it, it was the way he fell. It, it just it it made me chuckle. Right. Um, Absolutely. I remember the first time I saw that scene, I was like no, don't put your gun right up against his back, which is something that always annoys me in films because you know the character's going to turn and like grab the gun. But then once you realise that they were 
setting it up for him to escape, I was like, oh, it makes sense. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> I kind of will let you off. <laughs> we'll let you off that one. Absolutely. Yeah. My sort of flip from that point as well. Sorry. It's quite a long point is I almost wish there was less Jarvis comedy as well. Jarvis slapstick. Although I love Jarvis slapstick. Mm-hmm. I, I think they can sometimes go overboard with his character and I wish they would give some of the comedic opportunities to other characters and I wrote in my notes, if this makes sense to any people who've watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Jarvis can be more Giles and less Wesley. Oh, oh yes, that definitely <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> and I mean Wesley and Buffy, not Wesley and Angel, yeah. who is my favourite character in those shows. There were some great bits in this, like I love him saying Jarvelous, which was amazing. Oh, you've just taken one of my points. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, oh, you can fine. scrub that out, that's fine, I said nothing. No, um, you're fine. But... <laughs> But um, I, I sometimes I, I find, and particularly in season two, the slapstick a bit too much. And again, James Darcy is an excellent dramatic actor. So you can give him both. It doesn't just have to be Jarvis slapstick, you know, and com- comedy all the time. So I wish they would kind of even those characters out. So it was it was a very big point. I'm sorry, guys. That's absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. We always <laughs> like the big points. Um, I'm, I'm really hoping, I, I totally agree with you, Claire. I'm really hoping that now four episodes in, it's time to show a bit more depth to the Jarvis character. Um, yeah. He didn't have a huge amount there. He's he's the kind of backup man and he's he's the guy who went to bed at nine, nine in the evening after with a cup of tea, you know, in the first season. And this season he is kind of the slapstick guy. We've got a bit more episodes this season, so hopefully we'll see a bit more uh, of his character uh, as we go throughout. It's great to, great to meet Anna Jarvis over the last couple of episodes and hopefully yeah. we'll get to see her back and, and see a bit more of their relationship and hopefully a bit more depth to uh, to Jarvis and a bit less slapstick uh, from from him. Um I think the one scene for me in this episode was him speaking as he was asleep on the couch, um, yeah. saying, uh, "Mom, that's the tallest horse I've ever seen, or the largest horse I've ever seen." <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was just absolutely ridiculous. It was way beyond uh, just funny. It, it seemed beyond ridiculous. So hopefully, we can uh, get back to uh, to a bit more of Jarvis in the next couple of episodes. And in, in regards to James Darcy, sorry, I would just say okay. it breaks my heart that we'll never get a crossover appearance of Jarvis interacting with Matt Murdock because. Um, Charlie Cox and James Darcy are apparently like the best of friends in real life, like yes, really, really good that. friends. And I'm like, oh, I'd love for them to appear together, but obviously it's <laughs> never going to happen, sadly. It may be a voice that he might uh, might hear at some point uh, oh, in the future. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just quickly going to defend the, the Jarvis slapstick. I think I definitely get it. I think it might be going a bit too far now at this stage, and it, and it could do with a bit of raining back. But I'd still like the Jarvelous. Absolutely, yeah. still like the Jarvelous. <laughs> You've got to have a catchphrase. Yeah, uh, I think. Um, but also, I did like the sort of you know the the um, cute exterior belies a foul temperament in relation to the koala. <laughs> you have to say they are dangerous animals. Um, killers, in fact, that lurk in the Australian bush. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I did like that was our our Bernard watch for this week. We did get a little mention of the uh, of the dastardly flamingo uh, this mm. week, but uh, that is not what's causing Jarvis to go hunting. It is the uh, it is the koala, so. and there was rhinos as well. So yeah, a lot of uh, exotic animals <laughs> being thrown up. I've also um, incidentally just completed a drawing of Agent Carter to for the TV series, and I made sure I included uh, 
Bernard the Flamingo in it. Excellent. excellent. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> I know he's uh, he's become quite quite the celebrity, really, yes. since he yeah. moved to Devil LA. in Pink. <laughs> like me when I was 18. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, what's your next point? Um, my next point is I'm, I'm wondering if, um, if Peggy Carter invented man flu. Um, mm. I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite <laughs> impressed. So she, like gave, I've got at the moment. Yes, exactly, John. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so she gave uh, quite an intense cold to uh, to Mr. Hunt, but he reacts to it as if he's dying. Um, I really like this. I like how it's written. And again, being written by Su Chung, I'm wondering if there's just a little in joke there on how on the reaction from a man to an intense mm. cold, as opposed to uh, what Peggy calls uh, calls an intense cold. So I'm wondering if he uh, if he kind of feels that it's. Um, it's it's man flu. Did, did she invent it? I think it was Howard. Well, oh, yes, of course. Howard. He, he was trying to invent oh, was it a cure for the cure for the for common the flu. Yeah. Um, and instead <laughs> uh, invented something that gave you the symptoms uh, much more rapidly, much more severe for a period of what eight hours or something. Mm-hmm. Well, good going, Howard. <laughs> good going. <laughs> With that, Claire, do you want to give us your next point? Sure. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, my next point is I love that Peggy was at Bletchley Park. Oh, uh, yes. That's awesome. I love the idea that she was there the same time as Alan Turing. It makes mm-hmm. me really happy. Um, me I, I love that. And in uh, kind of next to that as well, I've put, I love that there's like the mention of Bletchley Park. And I love we get the mentions as well of some of the um, American history, like the Hollywood 10, which would have been happening. At, I think it's november uh 1947 oh, so right, it's been yeah. happening right around this time um which if anyone's seen the film i think that's out at the moment or out very soon trumbo is about the hollywood 10 uh, he was yes. one of them and um the assassination of president mckinley um most of the knowledge i know about the assassination of president mckinley i know from the musical assassins by stephen sondheim uh, <laughs> i know that's terrible way of getting your knowledge. Right. um but i know there was a lot of um conspiracy theories around his assassination because he was um assassinated by an anarchist uh in uh new york in buffalo like northern uh, new york state um mm-hmm. the assassin was leon Shogosh, I'm like trying to remember. And I think it was in 1901. So if that's the case, that's obviously almost 50 years before the events that are happening in the show. So it shows that they've had their fingers in a lot of stuff for quite a long time. Um, Absolutely. I think it's quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, this was, this was also one of my points with Bletchley Park um, and Turing. Um, Absolutely great. Um, Really good nod um, back to that that side of um the british war effort in world war 2 mm-hmm. um i think it was also mentioned in season 1 as, right. as well uh, by um jose molina the the writer for episode 5 and uh, i think that's where it, it kind of comes in and also then the special operations executive and mm-hmm. that, like that the soe was established there for people to go and it was espionage it was sabotage behind uh german lines on mainland europe uh to kind of almost sleeper agents as well for um to aid the resistance the french resistance um the other resistance groups uh against the nazis um you know fantastic little nod because it, it it did um it did so much i mean it also could cause huge tragedy i i think um 
I think it was in the Czech Republic or Czechoslovakia, I think because of SOE work there, like, uh, I think they killed Heinrich Himmler, big mm. SS guard, uh, or not SS guard, a big SS um, sort of chief. Uh, and, and I think because of those actions, because of that local help uh, to the Czech resistance, you know, there was the sort of massacres that went on in, in, in Czechoslovakia mm. Um, mm. against the local population. So, I mean, it was fraught with danger, but, um, you know, it's a really important organization that Absolutely. came out of, 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 um, that whole war effort, um, against the, the Nazis in, in uh, the Second World War. And so I, I love these nods. I'm a bit of a history, uh, buff as well. I, nice. I like this period of, <laughs> mm-hmm. of, of history, just, um, sort of like my dad being involved, uh, in, in the, the RAF and so on. So. I kind of, I find this really, uh, interesting kind of time. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's great to have these little nods. And as you say, Claire, like the nods back as well to American history as well. I mean, even just like with the, the formation of the FBI being mm-hmm. mentioned, um, you know, we have, um, Vernon Masters there talking about tidal waves coming and you kind of think, is this McCarthyism or is it just something to do with the show or is it, you know, it's, it's both tied up neatly together. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's kind of one of the things that we were talking about earlier that it just adds so, much richness to all this storyline it, it yeah, it's really definitely. nice definitely yeah, yeah yeah absolutely is that your point john no no i'm just i because i had that point you see mm-hmm. that's why <laughs> so i wanted to i wanted to back up claire with yes. her with her point uh with the stuff that i'd got for for my own point mm-hmm. i probably went on too long but no not at you all. know <laughs> Talking about massacres and stuff. <laughs> um, I, I just had a tiny, a tiny point about uh, about Bletchley Park as well, which uh, you kind of mentioned about the callback to season one. And um, what I particularly like about it is effectively in season one, it's shown that Peggy uh, kind of out code breaks the best code breaker in the US. Uh, and I like the fact that they they call call out the fact that she worked in Bletchley Park, but not only that, she's also the best co-breaker that works in Bexley Park so a mm. uh, nice little touch there to kind of seal the seal the idea that she's able to do a better job than uh, than the best co-breaker in the US because she's the best co-breaker in Britain effectively yeah. so nice little call out there John do you want to give us your next point it's basically Win Everett um as Whitney Frost oh. mm. um as the the episodes have gone on i absolutely think she is knocking this part out of the park i'm loving her i love how she looks so fragile and porcelain now that this crack from this fissure is going across her face the blackness of the the fissure and the the paleness of her skin she does she looks like a a doll that's that's kind of slowly cracking and and i love how she puts on the the frail side but then it is absolutely driven um and and ruthless and i love how she has um Carlton Chadwick mm-hmm. under her thumb absolutely, absolutely. Oh, yeah. and i i found this was um just brilliant in, in this in this episode where she's she's experimenting with the with the lab rats to see how this this new power that she's found um how it works she's you know it it links back to her her flashbacks of this inquisitive girl and, and then this intelligent uh, and talented lady uh, refused access to the universities to to study uh, and so you know 
goes down a different route. And I, for me, I think Win Everett is playing an absolute blinder in this part. And I, each episode, I'm loving uh, Whitney Frost, mm-hmm. absolutely loving it. And this was excellent. Um, I love seeing this Fisher slowly moving across her face. You it, have to at least call it your your name for it, Jonathan. Frost's uh, fissured face. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the, the three Fs. But you know, if my tongue can only cope with it, Frost's fissured face. You know, yeah. you have to, you have to, you have to really think about saying it. But I, I love it. Uh, I'm really liking it. I'm liking how potentially it's linking in with Wilkes as well. I'm going to actually steal my That's one of my points. Oh, I'm so... Oh, my goodness. I I was going to say, I'm going to steal my fourth point and just mix them because you see that Wilkes um, can see this fissure on the blackboard (laughs) at one stage and it's the, you know, are Whitney's experiments beginning to sort of upset whatever balance it is or is her power growing where mm. she she's influencing uh, Wilkes you know how is this happening and actually the question I had as well is can Wilkes actually be saved or is he uh, a lost is he cause is he doomed Claire <laughs> <laughs> is that, was that a question um I I like that the the sort of fissure that he he sees looks just like the one on her face. Yeah. But also it reminded me of Doctor Who, like in yes. the first uh, Matt Smith with the the crack in time. I I really like that. True, yeah. And um um I don't know if you guys mentioned it before on the podcast about like Wilkes's equivalent in the comics. Did you mention that? Chris did. Yeah. Oh cool. Yeah, I I um I I couldn't remember if you did or not. Um I don't think he can be saved personally mm, because I have that feeling too. we're going into a uh, uh, we're going into a bit of a love triangle with um, Wilkes and Sousa. We saw Sousa giving Peggy longing looks in this episode mm-hmm. when she's sort of chatting with Wilkes. I've got a feeling that Wilkes is gonna sacrifice himself in somehow, which I kind of hope he doesn't. Because he will be that then it's again sort of with one of my points, it, he will then be the third guy that's kind of died in Peggy's life. You know, we have yeah. her brother, we have Steve, um, Steve Rogers, then we have this. And mm-hmm. I I kind of hope that's not the way it's going, but I feel it's the way it's going. And the reason I hope it's not the way it's going is because I feel like then it, the the thing with her brother was very close to becoming the male equivalent of the woman in the refrigerator if you know what i mean in that it's a where you have a death of a female character which is what drives the male character forward which the show supernatural is notorious for because that's all they do but i don't (laughs) you know i love that it's um we have peggy as a strong female character but to make her strong you don't have to go the other way and take away from the male characters as well if you know what i mean so I would like it to be more balanced. Um, it, it, this is again, it's one of my points. Going into my point was that I love the character who play uh, the actor who plays Michael Carter, her brother. Uh, in the short time he's in it, but I kind of wish they kept him alive. And it—he's just a character that could have shown up again. It wasn't his death that propelled Peggy into action, only because it echoes so much about what happens with Steve Rogers later and what I get the feeling might happen with Wilkes. And I'd kind of like there to be this character that's on Peggy's side. But in the end, it was her decision without Michael being killed 
right, it was right, her yeah. decision to go, actually, I don't want to marry this guy. My brother has faith in me. I have faith in myself. Not my brother had faith in me and now he's passed away and I feel like I should do it in his memory. I don't think it was just that, but it could be taken that way in the show. So that was, again, one of my points that had good and bad in because I really liked the cap- the actor who played that role in the very short time we saw him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought it was, I, I thought it was kind of a combination of, of those two things i definitely thought that ultimately it was her choice but to begin with it's maybe that she did want to to do the soe but was being restrained by a fiance and then they were playing together as children in the first Mm. flashback as you said um you know uh, fighting the dragon that there was an honor element that you know she knew he had recommended her because he saw that she could do it i think (laughs) it was that in conjunction with the fact that maybe she had always wanted to do this kind mm-hmm. of thing. It seemed like that's what she wanted to do. But obviously, I think that's why I called him stifling um, her fiancé. Mm. It was that, you know, um, and actually, I'm not going to do it now, but it's one of my points uh, later on, mm. which is a direct quote from her fiancé, which I th- I found really, really interesting. But uh, definitely, I, I, I agree with you. It's definitely her her choice. Mm-hmm. But obviously, these extraneous factors kind of all sort of help as uh, as well. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and yeah. I, I love it. I, the one thing I love about our podcast is when all of our points converge. It's really good fun. No, <laughs> they are converging. They're doing, big they're doing quite well here because because I, I do have Peggy's brother Michael particularly as a as a character himself and what he actually gives throughout the very short scenes that we see. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a lot else that goes on between the two of them. But I'm I'm wondering that not only was his death, uh, or I suppose hopefully his death wasn't the only thing that propelled her into going into the SOE. Um, I'm wondering if it's much more the the kind of background we got about him, effectively, that the relationship with him led her to find the kind of men that she that she falls in falls into or falls yeah. into friendships with in the future. You know, uh, Jarvis, Steve and Howard particularly are three friends that support her, take care of her and drive her into the life of adventure that she so loves, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be Michael's place in her life uh, was the guy that drove her towards adventure and helped her out and pushed her towards the kind of life that she wanted to lead. So I'm wondering if that's more the legacy he had and maybe just the his death is the kind of realisation of what am I doing here? Not, yeah. not the, I'm yeah. going to do it in his honour more so, what am I doing with my life? I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, yeah. so... Um, it's more. Was, I would just. I would just hope we don't get into the pat. Like if the series did go on for, if the show did go on for a lot of series, I just hope mm. we wouldn't get into the pattern of kill off her lovers. Yeah, maybe will will terrible. survive then. Yeah, maybe, maybe. He will. Yeah, I, I, I hope he does. I mean, I I really like the um, I, I really like the the character and the actor. Um, mm-hmm. I like the fact that that you can see what she would find attractive in him. In a different way to Steve Rogers and and Sousa. There's that that great moment at the at the at the opening of the episode when uh, when Wilkes says when she says to Wilkes that must be very frustrating yeah. for you. There's a lovely bit of sexual tension between the two of them there that you can really yeah. feel the passion between yeah. the two of them. Um, and I, I suppose one of my favourite moments from from. Uh, Captain America Winter Soldier at the moment when uh, Steve sits down with her as an old woman uh, on her deathbed and we find out that she's had a whole life without him and had uh, a relationship and has had kids and had a husband mm-hmm. but was still able to lead this life in in S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, for many, many years and hopefully that's kind of stuff that we will see in a season three or four of, of the show that she's able to live a life with a romantic interest and also have uh, have the life and shield and hopefully they don't just just yeah, kill off her part that it's not like a yeah. bond situation where yeah. you know <laughs> yeah they 
can't have any form of loving relationship mm-hmm. because they're, you know, detached spies. Yeah. We need to yeah. find out who that husband ends up being. I and know, I'm absolutely. still convinced that because we haven't found out all the details about Sue, I think it's Sousa. And because we haven't found out all the details about Sousa's injury, I'm just waiting for when he actually says, oh, yeah, by the way, it was it was Captain America that saved me. And we'll be like, oh, my that's God. her husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we never know. We and never he's know. just holding it close to his chest. That's my theory, everyone. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. I'd love that. I'd love that. <laughs> that was my point as well, the, the Peggy's brother, Michael. So um, I'm trying to work out, is it Claire or, or John? Claire, <laughs> I think it's Claire. Claire. I think it's is Claire. It? I, I, yeah, it's oh. definitely Claire because I, I I had two in one. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I uh, my last point was I just like Whitney stepping up to to be a badass in the last scene, um, and turning oh, wow, yeah. into like little pixels. As I put in my notes, she lawnmower mans him, but with better special <laughs> effects because he like goes blah 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 and turns into yes. little pixels. Uh, um, I felt bad for the rats earlier because I love I love rats. I used to have pet rats, and I felt bad that they got turned into pixels. Uh, Hunt, not so much because he was a horrible guy. Yes, but um, yes. I just love Whitney kind of, you know, stepping up and being, you know, to her husband and being like, oh, I have something to show you, by the way. Oh, that was so, it was so good. I love that she, as the conversation was going on, she was also closing the curtains around yeah. the room yeah. uh, to hide this from the outside world. Really interesting. That yeah. That's a great little bit of detail from the writers or the actress or, or the director, whoever was, you know, that that was the direction given, whether it was from herself or from the, the script or, or from the director. It's just that those little points where you go, that makes absolute sense. And, it just fits so nicely to that scene and what she then does. It mm-hmm. is, it's a great little thing. Definitely. And I know I shouldn't be thinking, and I know I'm supposed to be thinking about zero matter or dark matter, but I'm still thinking this is like Venom from Spider-Man. Uh, her, <laughs> it does look <laughs> it like just, that. It just feels yeah. like that's, that's a really cool version of Venom that she's, <laughs> that she's, yeah. uh, the symbiote is, is melding with her and, and taking on this stuff. I'd love if that was the big reveal in a couple episodes. This isn't dark matter. We were lying to you. It's actually the symbiote <laughs> has come down and taken over with yeah. the frost. <laughs> it could be. Um, I mean, it's, it's so different. Obviously the characters origins in comics to Madame mm. Musk, but so it could be anything. Um, every time I see it, I think it's like, I always think it's like a, a, a black version of um, the the ether from um, for the dark world. That's yes, what it reminds yeah. me of. I don't obviously don't think it's going to be an Infinity Stone because it would affect later continuity. But yeah, um, yeah. if it was the Venom symbol, oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> you never know. Maybe they maybe they got that back in the deal uh, when they got Spider Man back for Civil War. There'll be someone entering the office, like cool. the the uh, you know the office to interview Peggy, and he'll be like, "My name's Eddie Brock." <laughs> or they won't be able to use Eddie Brock because it's Sony, so he'll be like, "My name's Teddy, Teddy, <laughs> Teddy Rock, <laughs> Teddy Rock." <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Uh, John, do you have your final points? I do. It's my quote. It's from Peggy's fiance, Fred. I I just thought it summed it up really well. I I, I thought. Um, the line captures kind of war, actually. And it's the one thing I've learned from the war is a boring life is a privilege. Mm. Now, it sounds weird to say, and it, but it, it's that sort of difference between uh, and the conflict between the heroic nature of war and one of where you're just plain scared. I mean, I took it that he was saying that in a way that I think there's two ways you could take it. One is 
maybe the upper classes staying behind the lines, that first mm-hmm. world war yeah. type of mentality, or the idea that what he's maybe saying is it's a small thing to have a boring life in the middle of such death, destruction, and so on, that, that, that small thing, you know, that idea of just being scared of going into the fray, which, um, you, you can be. I, I thought it was a really interesting line and I thought it, it summed up so much about warfare, about cowardice, conflict, heroics. Um, you know, is it working class versus upper class in terms of, you know, being sent in over the top mm-hmm. or, or, uh, you know, in the heat of battle. It, it's a really interesting quote, I, I, I thought. Um, and of course, just in relation to that, that scene, you have, um, Fred sat there, who's obviously, uh, has a desk job in, in one of the ministries. And then you have Peggy's brother, Michael, sat opposite him, who obviously is in the action. It, mm-hmm. It's those two yeah. sides of the coin at that table yeah. with Peggy in the middle deciding where to go. And, and what to do. And I, I thought that was a really lovely sort of line from, from, from the script that played really neatly in that scene and, and summed up really the choice that Peggy had. And, and I suppose what people would have in a warfare situation mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so I, I, that, that's my final point. I, I just thought it was really kind of encapsulated a lot in a, in a very small sentence. I thought, mm. yeah. Absolutely. Well, you've gotten all my points, I think, between uh, between <laughs> all of us. Uh, so I don't actually have a final point, but I do love that one definitely. I love I love the uh, the discussion there between uh, between Michael and and, uh, and Fred. Uh, I also just uh, my my one quick note. I love Michael's response to uh, to Fred's discussion of um, so how goes it at the front lines? And he goes, um, well, there's a lot of Nazis shooting at me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just kind of kind of it a, a nice little line from the episode. Really really enjoyed it. Claire, do you have any notes about the episode? Any of the points that we may not have covered? Uh, only a little one, which is every time there's a scene in the the lab, I just think how much i want that jukebox that's in the background (laughs) (laughs) the old sort of like well it's the jukebox every time i see it i'm like i want one of those so bad i yeah i did spend a bit of the of the scene and i had to rewind it because i was just looking at it going you want one <laughs> that's my only other note really because it's every time it appears i'm I yeah i want one excellent excellent always wanted one when i was a kid i remember i remember seeing one when i, when I went over to america for the first time and realizing it was about two thousand dollars and uh, saying yeah. i'll probably uh, make do with itunes and you can probably <laughs> you know you can only get so many songs on that i have an ipod that has like you know fifty thousand songs on it yeah. but yeah. it's so cool looking <laughs> you know <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, John, did you have any other notes about the episode? Two, actually. Um, it was Vernon Masters coming in and talking about the tidal wave coming. Mm-hmm. Um, the rising tide coming. Is the rising tide from Agents of Shield? Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. And that you and your friends can still drown. And and he called out something as well, which I'm kind of glad he did, which was, you know, a, a lady in your position as a, a foreign national working mm. on American soil. Mm. Uh, like, you know, that hits um, that era totally spot on that she's um she sounds different she behaves different and therefore she is a suspect oh yeah and that to me was really good 
Yeah, definitely. I was one of the things I was wondering about. And I know you mentioned about uh, about the uh, death of President McKinley earlier on, um, and whether that was involved in the Arena Club as well. Um, so they did mention two other things. They mentioned about Black Tuesday, which was the beginning of the, mm-hmm. of the Great Depression, uh, and also the Hollywood Ten uh, is mentioned in in the discussions with um, with him as well. So I'm wondering if these three, if all three of these elements they're saying are being caused by the Arena Club. So uh, if this was effectively saying that McCarthyism wasn't. Um, wasn't being driven by McCarthy. It was being driven by this group of nine, effectively. So mm. uh, it's really interesting to have this, um, I suppose, what would you call them? The Illuminati behind uh, behind all Ooh. of these things. Uh-huh. So. Yes, um, the Illuminati. <laughs> different but Illuminati. The, yeah, different Illuminati. Yeah. Bad Illuminati. Yeah, and of course, like, as you say, um, Kurtwood Smith from Robocop and uh, that 70s show, as you said, Claire, I mean, he does kind of, evil pretty well and 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 subdued menace as well Mm -hmm. just i love that interaction that he had with um with peggy in chief Sousa's uh, office i like the fact that chief Sousa kind of dismissed it he said yeah i had that conversation as well you know that's not going to scare me um here's something that i i've kept back so i like that and then just the interrogation by uh peggy of mr hunt it's just that I, I like the way she framed that sometimes, you know, to, to deal with men like you, we have to employ, um, the methods. She was obviously, uh, threatening him uh, in a way that says, you know, sometimes we have to go beyond where we would normally would in order to stop men like you. Mm. And I, just the whole double cross and the trick, uh, putting a bug on him, uh, to go mm-hmm. back. And I, I like the fact that the bug actually obviously gets consumed, uh, when Whitney Frost does her thing on, on Mr. Hunt, um, I presume it's either it's turned to black goo and is now in Whitney, um, or maybe just, dis- yeah, well, and destroyed. But yeah. uh, I, I like that. Maybe they've got a tracker on inside Whitney. Yeah, exactly. What well, if Whitney takes on all the personalities of when she consumes someone? Mm-hmm. Oh, that, does that mean she's now part rat? <laughs> It is really interesting that it's that it's they're all seeping inside her as well. That's quite yeah, and I, I, I'm I'm wondering will that radio just kick back in again, and they'll <laughs> it will be you know at some point, and they will hear Whitney again with mm. like a stomach rumbling, maybe maybe <laughs> or, I don't know something. You never know. Squeak squeak. <laughs> I think that's all we have about uh, this episode of Agent Carter. Uh, Claire, as you're the guest, you get to tell us whether you defend this episode of Agent Carter or not. I do, because I really enjoyed it. And I love seeing um, the flashbacks. I love the character of Peggy. It was just missing Howard Stark. I love Howard Stark. I wish he was in it. Uh, but we got lots of other cool stuff instead. So, yes. That's cool. Derek, do you defend this episode of Peggy Carter? Do you know what? I, I do. I didn't think I would when I saw it first. Um, I watched it uh, on Thursday night while we were doing our, our usual live tweet. Um, and I was kind of feeling I wasn't enjoying it as much as I, I normally do or I have this season. The season's been really, really strong, particularly in comparison to the first season. Um, it's been much stronger every episode. Uh, and then I realized I probably was putting a lot too much weight on the episode. When I watched it again to take my notes and to do, to do my show notes for the episode, I really enjoyed it. There's a lot going on and I love the parallels between the characters. I love seeing, you know, the, the, the war effort from the UK point of view within Bletchley Park. I love seeing, um, a lot of the a lot of the stuff about the backstory of Whitney Frost and where she came from, uh, yeah, really enjoyable. I definitely defend this episode. And John, our final defender, do you defend this episode? 
I do. I I do defend this episode of of Agent Carter. A bit like yourself, I I was slightly unsure when I first saw it, but I on second watch and on third watch, in fact, I really really enjoyed this. And as a result, I am going to give this four cute jarvless koalas out of five. <laughs> um, definitely for me. Um, I loved the whole concept of the smoke and mirrors. I loved the、mm. the flashbacks to these two、uh, ladies who are now kind of become adversaries. I think Whitney Frost,、uh, played by Win Everett, I'm just absolutely loving what she's doing with that character. I、um, I love the nods back to、uh, hit the Bletchley Park Special Operations Executive again, the Council and their influence in, in society. All those little nods are great. I liked the experimentation with the zero matter and sort of Wilkes being able to see、um, the Fisher on the blackboard. I really want to see how that pans out, how how his character develops, and, and this was. For me, just a, again another really strong episode with、mm-hmm. so much going on, and、uh, um, it makes me want to、um, watch the next episode a- again. So yeah, absolutely defend this episode of Agent Carter. Really good, excellent, excellent, good stuff. Three three strong defends this week. <laughs> like it, like it, impressive. Um, I think it's time to talk to the listeners.、Uh, a little bit of feedback from、uh, from our listeners this week. Our first piece of feedback comes from the 108 Sage. He says,、uh, "Hello again, John, Chris, and Derek, and probably Claire. If you knew you were here, <laughs>、uh, he starts out with、um, the reason I'm writing is Agent Carter has been so good this season. I'm four episodes in, and since I watched it on Hulu, which time shifts back a week, I'm actually much closer to the schedule you're all around than most of the US audience. But yet,、yeah, this season has totally lived up to the high expectations I had." Loving season one as much as I did. I totally dig what they're doing, Whitney Frost and the photo relationship.、Uh, that's wrong. And the proto relationship between Carter and Wilkes has been a joy to behold.、Uh, Jarvis has been in top form, and his wife kicks butt. And I think this is the best I've ever seen Howard Stark. I'm so intrigued to see where the show takes us. Before I close, I just want to say how much I loved the way Jessica Jones unfolded. So many elements were surprising and perfect. And he says the rest was deleted to avoid spoilers. Funnily enough, I glanced at the first email I sent, and it turns out it was after I'd seen episode four of that show too. Who knows? I might actually write again in some time before episode four of Daredevil.、Uh, thanks very much for that, one hundred eight Sage.、Uh, really interesting thoughts. So he's、uh, he's also on the similar side to ourselves that、uh, that this show is going from strength to strength. Absolutely, yeah. And I like、um, and would definitely agree. The the Howard Stark aspect,、um, and I loved the interaction. I think we said、uh, last week、uh, between Jarvis and Howard Stark,、mm. and how it it, it mirrored、um, obviously the current re-、um, relationship. Obviously, not in、um, artificial intelligence,、uh, Jarvis wise, but like I love how、um, you know he was there helping Howard Stark with the experiments. Oh God, don't let me be caught and. To be a a voice in a、yeah. machine, kind of, you know, really good little nods, and, and yeah, I, I think、um, Howard here is doing really well. I'm loving Dominic Cooper, and、um, you know, reprise his role as、mm-hmm. well.、Um, he, he's had some really good stuff、uh, so far this season, and I, I agree with Claire. Can't wait to have a, a bit more of him in, in the show. Yeah, how, how are you finding Howard Stark, Claire? I love Howard Stark. I am a big fan of Dominic Cooper's as well.、Mm-hmm. 
I actually knew him a bit from his theatre days in London, and he oh, right. was, he's a really great guy. Um, he was part of the crowd with, um, like, the History Boys crowd with, um, right. uh, and, and at the National uh, Theatre with James Corden, um, yeah. uh, Jamie Parker, who's going to be Harry Potter in the Harry Potter uh, play that's coming out, and um, he was also in a play I saw with um, Russell Tovey, who's, you know, uh, done Fantastic. a few films and stuff. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm really happy that he's part of um, Marvel now. I like that he isn't just Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. He's not playing the same character, much as I like that, that Jarvis, Edwin Jarvis isn't just Jarvis, you know. But there's there's obviously the similarities. You can see Tony Stark being the son of Howard Stark. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I really like it. Um, I hope that if there is a season three, we get Howard Stark in it still. Um you know, obviously, I guess that will depend on how successful Preacher is as well, which he's the the lead in. That's right, yeah. He's playing Jesse Custer, a very different role to Howard Stark. Very much so, yeah. yeah. But I, I really <laughs> hope that, you know, we get more of him because I, I like him and Peggy as unlikely allies. And I like the fact that we know from sort of, I think he was in Ant-Man, wasn't he? We know that they are sort of allies for, you know, for life pretty much until... Yeah. Presumably until Howard Stark passes away. Absolutely, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And I definitely love love Howard Stark. Thanks very much for the feedback, One Hundred Eight Sage. Yeah, yeah. thanks, One Hundred Eight Sage. Uh, our next piece of feedback comes from a regular contributor to our Facebook group, uh, which you can find uh, if you just search for Defenders TV Podcast over on Facebook. Come join the group. It's good chat. Claire's on there all the time as well. Uh, and we have Ronaldo, uh, who sends in some feedback to us about uh, about Agent Carter. Uh, he says, hey, guys, uh, episode four was quite entertaining, despite being a double origin story, which can sometimes be a bit cliched. Having said that, it's becoming a staple for all Marvel properties, so it was only a matter of time for us to delve into Peggy's past. The parallels of both Peggy and Agnes not being what they truly are was a nice touch, though. Uh, More into the phenomenon that is Wilkes was also quite entertaining, and the calling he senses is quite intriguing. Is it to another dimension? Is that where Frost's victims end up, Uh, as touched upon the previous podcast? Hmm. Uh, Jarvis for me gets better and better and his comic foils are refreshing at times but I hope he doesn't get pigeonholed as the clan I did like mm-hmm. it how they showed a slight annoyance on the others and assumed he would serve them drinks um, his sleep talking about horses also made me laugh out loud <laughs> yeah and then finally he says uh, also like the small homage to Madame Mask with the quick shot of the Greek comedy and tragedy masks Frost is gearing up to be quite the big bad look out Peggy kind regards Ronaldo. Yeah, thank you so much, Ronaldo, for that feedback again. Yeah, I think the Wilkes phenomenon is going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Another dimension, I kind of hope that's where it leads us to. Um, I don't, Claire, I know um, you like your heroes grounded in reality, which I do too, I hasten to add, but I also <laughs> like, as you probably are aware, a little bit of uh, Doctor Strange in yeah. a completely non-real way. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I kind of am loving this aspect to the show, and I really want to see, you know, is Whitney's continuing use of this power, how that's going to affect Wilkes? Because I, I, I think there's... Uh, sort of that kind of ripple effect going mm. on uh, to him. Um, so it'll be interesting if if suddenly he kind of gets pulled into that. Um, and that's why I wonder, is he going to survive all of this? That's the big thing for me with Wilkes at the moment. Um, and then, yeah, I suppose we've touched on um, Jarvis maybe 
possibly some of that comedy and comedic aspect does need to get um, a bit purred back for him. But right. again, it, it's good that he does show that annoyance that Absolutely. he's it's not a, just a butler. It's a he's good also call. he's a good uh, pet keeper. Absolutely. It's a good call out from Ronaldo and I didn't notice it at the time. It's a, it's a good call out from where he's effectively uh, everybody's kind of going, oh, I could use a drink right now and looks at Jarvis and he goes, I'll get the whole bottle <laughs> kind of thing. It's a nice little call out. He'd be a great uh, a great drink server for Jessica Jones, really, wouldn't he? Oh, he really would. <laughs> <laughs> whiskey? <laughs> Again? A bottle of whiskey, anyone? <laughs> I wonder if the Zero Matter will, there'll be like a tie-in between Agent Carter and when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comes back. Mm-hmm. Because they're sort of dealing with other dimensions and things and that and They've linked them up before with um, the uh, the obelisk. They've linked okay. that obviously with Agent Carter before with um, you know the Howling Commandos uh, appearing in Agents of Shield, didn't they? Um, yeah. And getting right. that. So I wonder if this is going to be a link with what's going on in Agents of Shield. And I would say with Agents of Shield and Agent Carter being at the Ultimates in Blackpool, I think that is a really good question to mm. ask about whether there is any possible crossover or connection i suppose more mm. more uh correctly uh with uh, with this dark goo mm. and dimensions and fishes and um brett ward having some kind of gunky thing squirming about <laughs> in his head at the moment and spoilers yeah oh yeah spoilers <laughs> maybe um, it will link in with uh dr strange as well because that's coming out this year maybe no. i know uh, that's what i'm hoping i'm I hoping for a global is. connection in the marvel universe to everything Doctor Strange, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> I think it's I think it's very likely that we will have the connection between uh, Agent Carter and Agent of Shield, and uh, and that connection will seep into uh, Doctor Strange if I choose my words carefully. There, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's quite likely. But I am still hoping for the connection to Defenders as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would love more connection between Defenders and the films. I don't know how much we'll get. I don't think we'll get that much, but I would I love that. But then again, I would I would be excited to see a character like Daredevil interact with a character like Thor. But then I'm also like, oh, I could do with them being apart. You know, the two little worlds they're very different. Yeah. Mainly, yeah, I just want true. I just want Matt Murdock to take Tony Stark down in a verbal smackdown. Is what I want. Oh yes, yes. That would make <laughs> me very happy. So that's our feedback for this week. Uh, if you want to send us in your feedback, just send it to feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. Yeah, absolutely. But thank you so much for all the feedback uh, to Ronaldo and 108 Sage. That's really good. Um, and of course, um, you can follow us at, and leave feedback not only at the email, uh, but also at DefendersCast on Twitter uh, and also join the uh, group at Defenders TV Podcast on Facebook and you can leave comments there if you, if you want to as well. It's the best Defenders podcast related uh, group on Facebook. I can say that because <laughs> ours is a page and not a group, so I can say that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Claire, it has been an absolute pleasure having you join Absolutely. us this week and uh, take the place of, of Chris. Yeah, thank it's you been so great. much. Thank you so much. I definitely would, would uh, like to come back, uh, you know, if you need a last-minute guest. The invitation is always open for you to come and join us. We, uh, oh. we love having you on board and we Absolutely. love chatting with you, as always. Do you want to tell the listeners again where you where they can find your podcast? Sure. Um, we're on WordPress.com as Defenders Podcast. We're, Twitter is at Defenders Pod. Um, all of our Facebook posts go through to Twitter as well. So if you just want to follow news 
um, about the the uh, Defenders shows, the Netflix shows. You can follow the Twitter. Generally, it's me. So if you want to tweet me, tweet at Defenders Pod. I'm really the mm-hmm. only one that kind of looks after it. That's because you don't let the rest of them read the news stories. There, exactly. I have to read everything. <laughs> so feel free to tweet us and go, hi, Claire, because it will come through to me. Um, or on Facebook, if you search all in caps for Defenders Podcast, you should find our page. It's got a little blue logo with... New York and little hidden ninjas at the bottom, which my co-host Mel drew. It's very cool. Excellent. Generally, we just post news about um, the Defenders shows. We do a little bit about uh, Agent Carter and we do a little bit about other stuff going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But if you want news about Agent Carter, I'd say definitely listen to to these guys instead (laughs) because you guys know much more about it than, than we do. Well, thank you very much, Claire. And I'm definitely listeners, check out the podcast. It's really good fun. Definitely a, a, a good compliment for the, Absolutely. For the Netflix we've shows. Had, we've and, had uh, some fun fun guests on, and so we've yeah. had some good interviews as well. So if you want to hear from some of the people involved in the making of the makings of Daredevil and Jessica Jones, um, we recently had one of the writers of Jessica Jones on, which was great. He was mm-hmm. uh, Edward Rycott. He was awesome. Uh, I interviewed one of the actresses from Jessica Jones. Uh, Susie Abramite, who plays Pam, she was great. Hopefully, we've got some more coming up. And um, we interviewed a load of people from Daredevil. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some interviews for Daredevil season two as well. Um, yeah, we, as I said, we're a bit more um, uh, all over the place than than <laughs> this this much more better organised podcast. But mainly that's because <laughs> I'm running it, and yeah, <laughs> I'm very disorganised. Not at all. Not at all. It's great. It's really good fun to have uh, have you guys and great to have you on board, Claire. Definitely. Absolutely. With that, I think it's time to close out the episode. I'm off uh, to be whoever I want. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say thank you again to Claire for, for coming on. It has been great. And thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, we will speak again shortly. Bye. Bye. This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickeringmyth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.